Seattle Sports Saturdays with Curtis Rogers and Taylor Jacobs. On 710 ESPN Seattle. With you until 1 o'clock here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Seattle Sports Saturday. He's Taylor Jacobs. I'm Curtis Rogers. Boy, a little over 24 hours away from Super Bowl 55. It is going to be... It's going to be hype one. I'm I'm super excited for it. Uh, even though you know the the whole NFL season has felt a little bit just you know there's been an uneasiness to it. There's been a shakiness to a lot of it, but uh, just kind of everybody can exhale tomorrow as there's really nothing that can uh, get in the way of what you know is going to be a quality game. Two great quarterbacks, two great teams. Super excited for it. Um, but in this hour, we will get you our predictions. Sort of the last word from 710 ESPN Seattle before this Super Bowl. So that's that's a lot of pressure on us, Taylor. I'll take it. I'm ready. This is this is what I live for. Let me take the last shot, baby. That's what I want. <laughs> you want the ball in our hands. You need the ball yep. in our hands. More uh, like yeah, ping pong is... ball than ball. You know yeah. what I mean? I'm more <laughs> like on the pong table doing things with all, yeah. uh, you know, beverages of soda relation. Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah, what's what's the Jacobs uh, Super Bowl spread going to look like tomorrow? Well, we're we're all we're separate, so um, my yeah, dad's watching at his house, sisters at their place. But uh, Molly just came home with can confirm beef ribs, so I'm gonna make Kansas City style slow cooked beef ribs for the big game tomorrow. Because, again, can't be with my dad. I'm sure he would probably do some barbecue, something uh, just for for the Chiefs. So got to keep a KC so we'll get some nice uh, Kansas City-style beef ribs going. That's how you do it. That is how you do it. I think we're getting uh, – we're. I think we're definitely getting pizza. Still not oh, yeah. convinced about the wings yet. We may go – we may get wings as well just to have it at home, just the two of us. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. That, that's text how in, the Super Bowl is going. Seven ten. Yeah, yeah text let's in hear some of your. You want to uh, know? Let's hear some. What's on the menu? We definitely want to hear some of that. But uh, yeah, let's get into this hour's big three. Why don't we? Number one. Well, we're we've been talking about it. It's been the talk of all sports networks for the past few weeks. But tomorrow we finally get the Super Bowl. The stage is set for three thirty p.m. tomorrow. West Coast time, so the Kansas City Chiefs defending champions taking on Tom Brady and the Buccaneers in an interesting Super Bowl where it's technically a home game for Tampa Bay, even though it's not a home game for Tampa Bay. They get to play in their home, the home stadium for the first time. Kansas City, three-point favorites. That's been holding this entire time, so a lot of people feel like that's most likely going to be the outcome, but... Look, they got to beat Tom Brady. And to beat Tom Brady in your second Super Bowl is a tough task, as we know here in Seattle. So, a lot to watch, a lot to keep an eye on tomorrow. And the Seahawks fans, maybe there's some players who might be hitting free agency who could be coming to this roster from some of these places. So, keep an eye out for that. 3.30 p.m. tomorrow, CBS, CBS All Access, Bunny Ears Antennas, through your local engineers, Somehow, some way, you can get this game. I promise you. Number two. Big if true. 
Big if true. But hard to upstage a major quarterback trade in the NFL, but the Los Angeles Dodgers made sure that Matthew Stafford wasn't the only big name headed to L.A. in 2021. Reigning National League Cy Young winner Trevor Bauer signing a three-year deal with the defending World Series champs. Each of those years containing an opt-out clause, theoretically he could enter free agency again next offseason. Get a load of this Dodgers rotation now with Trevor Bauer added to the mix. They've got Clayton Kershaw, you know, pretty good uh, Hall of Fame career he's had. Walker Bueller, who is the current ace of the staff. Julio Urias, who got the final out of the World Series this last year. He's only like 23, 24 years old. And David Price, the Wiley veteran, who also has a Cy Young under his belt. 60% of their rotation has won a Cy Young award at some point. Just a stupid amount of riches in L.A. right now. Elsewhere in Major League Baseball, Ulster outfielder Marcelo Zuna returning to the Braves on a four-year, $64 million deal. Also, the Baltimore Orioles, their rotation could be very former Mariner heavy this season. You got King Felix signing a minor league deal with them, as well as Wade LeBlanc. They both each received invites to spring training with the O's. And then just this morning in the American League West, a trade between the Rangers and A's swapping veteran players. Elvis Andrews, longtime Rangers shortstop, he goes to the Oakland A's. And Mariner killer Chris Davis stays into the division. He goes to the Texas Rangers. Number three. Weird scene last night in the NBA as Kevin Durant finds out mid-game that he has to be pulled due to COVID contact tracing. And he won't travel and may have to sit multiple games due to these protocols set in the NBA. So really interesting to keep an eye as the Nets starting to surge in that Eastern Conference. And Kevin Durant having a great season coming off that injury. Maybe comeback player of the year. Maybe in conversation for MVP. But boy, oh boy, it's going to be a big blow to the Nets and their aspirations to win the East, let's say. And uh, speaking of COVID-related decisions, it looks like the All-Star game is still going along, but every NBA player appears to be upset by this, including LeBron James and Giannis Antetokounmpo, last year's captains and, and you know, longtime rivals in, in the league, but sharing the same sentiments regarding the plans to hold the All-Star game in March in Atlanta pretty much calling it a money grab similar to what Kawhi Leonard said that there was no reason to play for it for it and I haven't heard a player come out and speak uh, in favor of having it so keep an eye on that as it most likely sounds like players won't be playing in that game quick standing update 76ers game and a half lead on the Bucks on the east with the KD less Nets right behind them at two and a half games Western Conference, the Jazz still playing their sweet tunes atop the West with a one-game lead on the Lakers and a one-and-a-half-game lead on the Clippers. That is this hour's big three. And, and Taylor, you bring up the All-Star game in the NBA. It just it makes zero sense to play an exhibition game, something that's not going to matter, and especially with how tenuous travel in sports can be right now. I mean, that just seems like an awful idea that the NBA has but I mean they're trying to make as much revenue as possible I can understand why this is even an idea at this point but it just seems so unnecessary considering how much you know is at stake if they do lose more games along the way and it feels like look with the season going so late that 
you know, the Heat and the Lakers could really use that week off. And some of these teams, you're just seeing these little injuries. And, you know, even a guy like Christian Wood, the center for the Rockets, just twisting his ankle a couple times. Look, give them the week off. Let's get a better second-half product out there where they're healthy and ready to make a run for the playoffs. And there's a lot of good basketball left to be played this season. So I want to see them skip this week, skip the All-Star game this week, let them rest, let them get healed and uh, really make the product in that second half safe and valuable for the NBA. Uh, Some honorable mentions this week uh, for this hour's big three. The long national nightmare is over. John Clayton has his antenna. He can watch Super Bowl 55, even though, boy, it was getting dicey. Uh, You may have seen his tweets this week. Boy, somebody has it out for DirecTV. <laughs> Rarely, Curtis, does the United States of America, nay, the world, unite behind a common goal, a common uh, focus. And getting John Clayton that antenna to watch the Super Bowl may have united the world for just a brief moment where everyone wanted to see this happen. So I'm glad he gets to see it. He was going to miss his first Super Bowl, I think, in, what, 48 years? So glad the professor will get to watch it and see the game with his wife, Pat, down at his home there in Seattle with his neighbor, Scott Service. Yeah, and uh, some other big news. Maybe the the we may have buried the lead here. Uh, did, EA Sports has announced that their college football video game series will return uh, in the near future, some people estimate it within about two to three years. But Taylor, you and I—that uh, is one of our our loves—is college football video games. And to hear that n- announcement made by EA Sports this week, ah, uh, it put me in such a good mood. There is nothing quite like Dynasty mode. Oh, my gosh. We were talking about it before coming on air. We've talked about it multiple times just before the show, and I probably could have spent most of this two-hour show during a Super Bowl week where a team that I love is playing, talking about this game and how much it means to me and how awesome this is. And Look, NCAA football is just – I think it has a special place in a lot of college football fans and people our age and even – people older and some younger people as well. Age – uh, isn't the factor here, but for us, Curtis, we grew up where, you know, you got to play with a Reggie Bush in a video game where he was at USC or some people you were going to school with ended up playing in this. They were in the video game. You could play like J.R. Hasty, my neighbor. I love him. I got to play as J.R. Hasty in a video game and it wasn't a created character. Little things like that is, are, are so cool, and it, that's what makes the game so special. And I look forward to seeing what it's going to look like. It may be different. We'll get back to a point where you, you can play with some of those kids, and maybe they'll get paid, as they should, for some of their likeness in the future. Yeah, I'm, I am right there with you. I am so hyped to play this game at some point in the future uh, because it has been a long, what, seven years without it. And, you know, it'll be about a full decade once it comes back. Uh, But boy, it's good to have it back for sure. Uh, Also getting a lot of texts in. You asked for people's Super Bowl spreads. A lot of good stuff coming out there. Uh, 206 spinach dip with vegetables and crackers. Can't go wrong with that. Uh, Love a good dip. Three says, 
yeah, oh yeah. When I dip, you dip, we dip. Uh, wings, sausage rolls, and brownies. That sounds very, very hearty. I'm all about oh, those yeah, three baby. things. Uh, three six zero pigs in a blanket, loaded nachos, and pulled pork carnitas. Watch out! I love there. that spread. Love that spread. Yeah. Uh, two five three marinated beef, short ribs, shrimp mac salad with tuna. Pizza and wings for the kids. Now, is all that for the kids or just the pizza and wings? Because, I mean, yeah, I would love all of those things. In 253, where's the invite? Come on. Invite your I favorite know, sports show on over. <laughs> we would love to come on over. Actually, you know, we'll keep it safe. We'll wear masks. Yeah, that's uh, true. But next year, yeah, save us a spot. Next year. Exactly. Uh, but, yeah, that is this hour's big three coming up. We will get you some Super Bowl predictions in about 15 minutes from now. But before we do that, we will take a trip around the NFL, get you some of the biggest headlines from the league heading into tomorrow's game. That's next year on Seattle Sports Saturday. Seattle Sports Saturdays with Curtis Rogers and Taylor Jacobs. On 710 ESPN Seattle. NFL headlines, and we start with one that is uh, just a couple minutes ago. Adam Schefter tweeting that Philadelphia expected to trade Carson Wentz in the coming days in what would be the latest blockbuster quarterback deal to rock the NFL. This is all from Schefter's tweet. Uh, Sources tell Chris Mortensen and him uh, the most pertinent questions now become where, when, and for what, but it could happen as early as this week. Taylor we saw the Matthew Stafford domino fall. Carson Wentz appears to be the next one that could get moved here. Some teams early on, I guess, in the running, obviously Indianapolis because of Carson Wentz's relationship with Frank Reich. Uh, he was instrumental in his success early on in his career. And then I think I saw the Bears being a team interested in Carson Wentz as well. Do you think there is anything left in Carson Wentz's right arm that these teams that may be vying for him can can squeeze out of it. God, I don't know. He really regressed. And he's been, you know, a great kid and a great competitor in this league, but it just feels like his body isn't there anymore. And it, physically, he doesn't have it. And that's why I want the 49ers to trade for him, Curtis, and to bring him into the NFC West. Yeah. Let's round out that quarterback competition with Carson Wentz there in San Fran, and uh, then we don't have to worry about him being as scary because I think a Carson Wentz-led 49ers team is a little bit less intimidating than some other versions of the 49ers. But it feels like Indy just is a, a smart fit, like you said, with the coaching fit, and also they have the heir apparent there, right? So if it does end up being a failure... You know, Wentz, or pardon me, Eason gets a little bit more time behind Wentz to learn and be ready to take that step as the starter for the Colts' future. Well, skinny Jacob Eason. Yeah, skinny QB. Uh, yeah, I think you look at the two teams that are right now being thrown in those rumors. You mentioned Indianapolis. Chicago, I don't know, but think about this. Carson Wentz gets traded to the Bears. You know who his backup would be? Nick Foles. How wild would that be? Carson Wentz goes to the Bears only to have Nick Foles breathing down his neck once again. I think you got to lock in the Bears as next year's Super Bowl champs if that's that's the case, right? 
Wow. Life has a funny way of bringing you full circle, right? And look, the, the monsters of the midway might be looking for a little bit of that Philly special to try and bring up there because, uh, wow, that's so funny. That's so cool. <laughs> Just something to think about if the Bears really yeah. want to go through with that trade. Uh, some other news in the NFL. We heard this week from Roger Goodell and Demoris Smith in their joint press conference before the Super Bowl, and the projected salary cap may be working out in the Seahawks' favor a little bit here. It was projected to be 175, but a lot of reports this week saying it is going to be closer to 185 than 175, which gives Seattle and other teams about 10 extra million in cap space to work with. That could be the difference in, you know, a lot of these players that are up for new deals, KJ, right? Chris Carson, Shaquille Griffin. Maybe that means they're able to keep one of these three without having to let go of somebody that is taking up a bigger chunk of that salary cap. Yeah, and Jamal Adams is going to want a deal here soon as well. And, yeah, look, I, I think that's such a, uh, a good piece of news. And one thing I would also read into it, this is – this raise in the cap is coming without any fans or a majority of the, the stadiums fanless for the, the, almost the entirety of the year. So this is without ticket gate and this is without the ticket money as well. They still might be able to increase the cap, which tells you that they're doing good business behind the scenes in the NFL. This TV deal, rights negotiations, digital deals, you know, with Amazon and their Thursday night package and. And who knows what the, the next NFL media deal will look like and what sort of impact it may have on the cap. And it, to me, that's something to really keep an eye on because it clearly looks like it will have a big impact on it. Because without the fans, they were still able to go up $10 million. Quite, quite an accomplishment for the NFL. Yeah, I, I mean, just there were some doomsday figures being thrown out there earlier in the offseason. You know, maybe the salary cap is down to 150 million. Uh, you know, we're going to see it go just fall off a cliff here. And you know, it's going to be. I think the projection. I think last year's cap was around 200 million. So the fact that it's only going down about 15 million, not bad. Not not nearly as bad as it could have been. So shout out to the NFL for it, being able to make some of that work this off season. Uh, how about this? You've got today, we'll hear the announcement of the Pro Football Hall of Fame class in 2021. Some first-time nominees include Peyton Manning, Charles Woodson, Calvin Johnson, and Jared Allen. Jared Allen, he joined 710 ESPN this last week uh, for a conversation with Jake and Stacy. Really interesting one because they talked about how he nearly became a member of the Seattle Seahawks. Make sure you're checking that out on 710sports.com. But of the guys on the ballot this year, Taylor, Peyton Manning seems to be the, the surefire lock, but who else do you think, you're, you're allowed five, who do you think will join him in Canton? I mean, I, I would put Charles Woodson on that list. And again, we talked about it off air. We're a little bit biased. Having grown up, watched this guy and seen how amazing he was and through his whole career, right? And the Pro Football Hall of Fame being more NFL-focused, but I think what an ambassador to the game. Look, the four people you mentioned just now, I, I think should all get in. I think they're all worthy of it 
first ballot, not necessarily. Peyton might be the only one there to, to do it that way. But um, I feel like all four of these have, to me, in my football life, been at the top of the game. And that's who you want in the Hall of Fame. If you want a smaller hall, that's a whole nother conversation. But I like having the Hall of Fame be a collection of your your best players and your most famous players and people who brought that attention to your league in a positive way. And Peyton, Charles, uh, you know, Calvin and Jared all all deserve that, no doubt. I think personally, I would love to see Charles Woodson get in. That is one guy who I loved watching to play. He was never a Seahawk, but he was one of those guys that you just had so much respect for in how he played the game and just the amount of winning that he did at every level he was at in the NFL and also in college. You know, Still the only defensive player to win the Heisman Trophy. Uh, led that Michigan team to a national championship. Sorry, Taylor. You know, had to be at the expense okay. of your Cougs. But his resume is... One of the few unmatched ones, I think, especially from a defensive back. I'd love to see him get in his first year on the ballot. There's some other guys, too, that are on the ballot that have been there for a few years. Alan Fanica, longtime guard for the Steelers and Cardinals. I know he's up for uh, election this year. Torrey Holt and Isaac Bruce, two guys who killed the Seahawks year after year in the NFC West. They are uh, up for election as well. This is going to be a really good class. Some years the classes are kind of like, really, that guy got in? But this one, I think, has the makings of a very solid class. We're going to find that out later today, I believe. Um, you've got the the head of the Hall of Fame is that guy who's, like, massive. He's, like, 6'8", yeah. about 350. And if he comes knocking on my door, I'm a little scared. i got to be honest. I'm a little worried somebody yeah. coming that coming that coming coming over that big. And he makes these NFL guys look small, too, which is crazy because we're talking about some of the, the craziest physical athletes ever. But uh, real quick shout out. Again, I mentioned J.R. Hasty, but my neighbor, James Hasty, his dad, a nominee for the Hall of Fame, which is still such an honor. Doubt he'll get in, uh, but he was an all-pro, pro bowler for the Chiefs and Raiders. Um, really cool to just see his career be... Um, honored with a nomination you know that's just that, that, that's good enough for a lot of people too so touche to all the nominees and uh, excited to see what this class looks like gonna be a very interesting one to watch for uh over the next couple of hours as that gets unveiled later today that uh, uh, those are some of the biggest headlines in the nfl as we are just a day away from the super bowl and speaking of that super bowl who you got tomorrow the new dynasty or or the Tom Brady dynasty? Ring number seven for Tom or ring number two for Patrick? We get into that next here on Seattle Sports Saturday. Seattle Sports Saturdays with Curtis Rogers and Taylor Jacobs. On 710 ESPN Seattle. About a half hour left for us here on 710 ESPN Seattle this Saturday. This is Seattle Sports Saturday. We want your shout-outs to the Vizzy Hard Seltzer text line, 710-710. We'll get to those in about 15 minutes. That's how we wrap up every single Seattle Sports Saturday with your shout-outs. Shining a spotlight on the good out there in the sports world and just in, in our world. So, 
Uh, that's coming your way in 15 minutes. But Taylor, this game tomorrow, Bucks Chiefs Super Bowl 55. I'm I'm so hyped for it, and I think it's because of just the long layoff between the conference championship games and now. It feels like ages ago these la- these two teams last played. But man, oh man, tomorrow I I have a hard time seeing this game be a multi-score game. Very very rarely does that ever happen in the Super Bowl anymore. Um, and these two teams, I think, are, are very evenly matched, especially on offense. When you look at the two offenses, both utilize the explosive plays. But which group of weapons do you think will, will have the bigger impact on the outcome? Will it be Kansas City's with Kelsey and Hill? Or will it be just the the wide array of stuff that Tampa Bay has to work with, with Evans and Godwin and Gronk and Brown and, and everybody over there? Yeah, look, the the Bucks have a lot of weapons and they can spread it around. But to me, the difference makers, it's the Chiefs. And we saw in the first matchup between these two and Tyreek Hill had a legendary game in the first half, let alone the whole game. So to me, and then you had a guy like Travis Kelsey, just the, the, the layers those guys help to add to this offense and. Michael Bumpus brought up a really good point this week that I think some people are overlooking. The Chiefs, when they get inside that five-yard line, that 10-yard line where the playbook is really small and the space is even smaller, your margin for error is, is it has to be razor thin. And the Chiefs have such diversity in their play calling down there. Shovel passes and fades and corners and all the, and crossing routes and they're comfortable. And if anything, they almost get more plays when they get down into that, that, those tight situations. So to me, again, it's, I'm sure a lot of this sounds biased because you know I'm a Chiefs fan, but taking myself out of it, just what Kelsey and Hill provide to this Kansas City team, it's, it's why the reason they're 14-2 and two and playing for another Super Bowl in back-to-back years. What about you, Curtis? Who do you think has the edge in playmakers? Man, I look at the experience that Kansas City's guys have over Tampa Bay's, uh, especially on this kind of stage. Evans and Godwin have not have never made it this far. Antonio Brown has played in a Super Bowl, but he was a rookie and didn't wasn't really asked of much to do in that game against Green Bay. You know, about a decade or so ago. Obviously, Gronk has has made it here. I think this is his sixth or seventh Super Bowl he's played in as well. Um, but I I just think the explosiveness that Kansas City's weapons have, and it's not just Kelsey and Hill, but also. Their running backs, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, he is uh, an incredible rookie. I think he could have an impact on this game. Mikkel um, Hardman is blazing quick. And then also you got Byron Pringle in the kick return game who has taken one back at, at points this season. So I, I just think Kansas City right now, and you know they've got a guy who, who presses all the right buttons in, in Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy, Patrick Mahomes as well. I mean... It's hard to pick against Kansas City's offense, but the biggest question mark in the game tomorrow is on Kansas City's offense, and that is the absence of left tackle Eric Fisher going up against a Tampa Bay pass rush that has gotten a lot of productivity over the last three or four weeks here, especially out of Jason Pierre-Paul. Taylor, 
I know that this game is going to be close, but how big of a, a shadow does Eric Fisher's absence cast on this game, and, and how big of of an impact might that have? I mean, that's the that will be the difference, right? The difference will be if Tampa Bay can get to Mahomes, not let him get outside the pocket and create, truly disrupt his game, make him play from behind, which, again, we still know he's comfortable in, but that's what he's least comfortable in. That's it's got to be them. And look, you you look at all the statistics, you look at everything around, you know, the yards per uh, game allowed, rush yards per game allowed. To me, it's that front of the Bucks and what they can do to this Chiefs offense to get back there. Because if they can't create pressure, even with this Chiefs offensive line looking the way it is, it's going to be a long day in Tampa Bay and it, it it could end up getting away from them because we know the Chiefs have those home run plays and those home run hitters in the lineup. So the Tampa Bay, they got to be able to disrupt the Chief offense by getting back to Patrick Mahomes. And they, if they can't do it on the front, it's going to be a long Sunday for those guys. Yeah, and I think one thing that has allowed for Kansas City's offense to have the kind of success that it's had is the kind of time that their offensive line has given Patrick Mahomes where he is kind of able to sit back in that pocket or or maybe even get outside the pocket and make things happen. You don't have your safety blanket in Eric Fisher, the guy who's been doing it for about a decade now in Kansas City. That's going to make it pretty tough for, for Mahomes to, to have the same level of comfort that he normally does. I I, I really wonder how that is going to impact this game and – uh, as we've seen, especially with Jason Pierre-Paul, you know, being on that Giants defense for all the years that he was there, and and the years that they gave Tom Brady fits in the Super Bowl, uh, you know, maybe they can drum up some of that pressure tomorrow and and really give Patrick Mahomes a lot of headaches. I I still have confidence in Kansas City's offense to be able to move the ball uh, effectively. But you wonder if the sack total is going to be a little bit higher than normal because we're not used to seeing Patrick Mahomes on his back, really. And there, you know, there's a possibility of that. You don't really have a, as much familiarity as the guy who's filling in for, for uh, you know, Eric Fisher there. Yeah, and this is again, this is why you play the game, right? You got to see what these guys can do because again, if you had told me Mahomes was going to go down in a big game for the Chiefs and that they were going to have their backup quarterback come out on a fourth down play, call his own number and get, and get it, right? I would have called you crazy. So to me, you, you, add, you keep adding those things up. It just feels like Kansas City just has a little too much for this Bucks team. And yes, Tampa Bay has Tom Brady. They have JPP and some of these, and uh, David, at, and some of these great defensive pieces that they can build around going forward, too. But um, I, I just don't see the Chiefs losing this game. I just feel like they have too many weapons. They can, they can come from behind and win. We saw it all last year. They can outpace you and win. They've won so many different ways that it just feels like I know picking against Tom Brady is foolish, and I literally spent all of these playoffs beating my chest about how you shouldn't pick against him. I just think I would pick against them. I'm taking the Chiefs in this one, 
even aside from my chief fandom, just looking from the top down as a as just an analyst, there's just too much happening for the Chiefs, even with Eric Fisher not there, to not take this team. And Patrick Mahomes being able to move and create without an offensive line is the reason why I think they still, in the end, win this game. What about you? What are you taking? Final prediction. Yeah, we talked about it this week a little bit with Jake Eaps and Stacey Ross, how the Chiefs are in a position that the Seahawks found themselves in just you know six or seven years ago, going for back-to-back titles and staring down Tom Brady in, in the face here. And I think the Chiefs have a little bit more right now than the Seahawks did back then, especially on the offensive side of the ball, to get it done. But Tom Brady, I mean, six titles, this is his 10th trip, um, you know, seven titles and 10 trips. Shout out to 710. We know, we all know Tom Brady listens to us. But, Whoa. Uh, yeah. Meta. I know. I know. <laughs> am, am I going with Tom Brady and the Bucks, or am I going with the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes going back to back? I've picked against Tom Brady in the past. Looked foolish doing it. I'm okay with looking foolish again. I think the Chiefs get it done, and I think they are back-to-back world champs after tomorrow. Now, I mean, you guys can hold this against us gladly, uh, but, hey, you know, give us that Internet cloud if you're going to do it like that. I mean, right? follow us on Twitter if, if we you can do so. I was going to say, if we hit, then you better also be uh, bigging up us our, in our predictions there too. So you can't, <laughs> you can't also – you know, you got to talk the talk if you want to walk the walk. Absolutely. Coming up next here on Seattle Sports Saturday, it is time for your shout-outs. It's time for our shout-outs as well. Text those in to the Vizzy Hard Seltzer text line, 710-710. Who are you shouting out here today on this Seattle Sports Saturday? We get to those next. Seattle Sports Saturdays with Curtis Rogers and Taylor Jacobs. On 710 ESPN Seattle. Seattle Sports Saturday. It is time for your shout-outs here on 710 ESPN Seattle. By the way, make sure you're downloading the podcast at 710sports.com. We're there. Our show logo is there for you. Every hour of every show is available at your fingertips at 710sports.com. That's the place to be right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Uh, But, Taylor, lots of shout-outs to get to as we wind down the football season, which it was the football season that I'm not quite sure we ever, you know, in the months of March, April, May, June of 2020, it seemed so impossible to even play sports, and yet here we are, you know, at the end of the 2020 football season. And I mean, there are just plenty of people that deserve some shout outs for making it happen under these circumstances in our world. Uh, it just to have football week in and week out was a great constant of, of just the world that used to be, I guess, before COVID and and now mm-hmm. what the world is going to be, you know, there's still a lot of a lot of unanswered questions there. But the fact that we had football each and every Sunday to look forward to just, I think, gave a lot of people, you know, some hope and something to look forward to. 
Yeah, I mean, I know I'm in that boat, and <clears throat> I, we've, I've told the story a bunch of times. But my dad got sick with COVID shortly after the Chiefs winning a Super Bowl, and you know, thinking about if those were going to be some of our last moments as a family together, as a full family together. So I'm so thankful for all of the, the frontline workers, the healthcare workers, not only who helped my dad here locally, but people around the country who have been helping in their cities to ensure that these things can happen and that there isn't a increased in risk because of this. So a, a touche to them. And, and that leads to my um, shout out for this week, New York times with a fantastic article talking about how the NFL had over 700 coronavirus positive tests and the Seahawks had none. And that was because of people like, Sam Ramsden and Nasachobi, who you should be familiar familiar with here on 710, former voice, radio producer for the broadcasts. Um, people like NASA were working two jobs, and he also did his job as the radio producer. And we just know we work with him directly, so we're just going to shout him out directly. But there's a whole team of people there that that really worked hard at this new job that they had to have on top of the jobs they already had and on top of losing people they had to you know unfortunately downsize some of the staff there in other front offices had to do it around the NFL so to the people in the front offices making sure these players uh, were as healthy as possible and minimize the the risk as much as possible like NASA like Sam a big, big thank you for being able to to help us have a football season, to talk about football. We get to text about it. Look, give us a hard time on the text line, 710-710, about our football opinions or whatever. We can do that because it's fun, because these people took it seriously and helped make it a, a real success. So a, a big, big, big shout-out to all of them. And we get a football, we get a Super Bowl game tomorrow and due to, to some of the, the hard work from these people. Yeah, and it's not just the people here in Seattle as well, but across the NFL world, uh, you know, yeah, there were t every other team did have a positive COVID test, but it's not like they were trying to do that. And and you know, there were people in those cities that were that had rules very similar to uh, our our buddy NASA and Sam Ramsey and all the other people in the Seahawks organization that were spotlighted in that New York Times piece. Um, you know, there was just so much that went on behind the scenes with each and every team that just hearing the stories from, from NASA each and every Sunday, uh, as, as I was doing scoreboards and he was there, you know, producing the broadcast, just the amount of hoops that everybody had to go through just to even enter the building each and every day to do their job. I mean, the amount of consecutive days they had to be tested, uh, I believe NASA, he got tested like 160 straight days. And this was even on days off that he had. He had to go back and get tested. Um, so shout out to him and, and just shout out to the entire Seahawks organization for, for making that happen this season. Um, just an incredible work uh, done by them. Uh, my shout out this week is going to go to somebody that has spent a lot of time here in Seattle. In fact, this upcoming season, she will tie the record for most seasons spent with the Seattle sports franchise uh, as a 
as an athlete, as a player. And that'll be Sue Bird tying Edgar Martinez's record of 18 seasons with a Seattle franchise. She announced this week that she'll be returning to the Seattle Storm. Uh, she was an unrestricted free agent. She's coming back. And I said it earlier in the show. I, I will repeat it until somebody else comes along that uh, has that will play basketball maybe better than her, but she is the greatest basketball player in this city's history. And as we all know, this city has put together some amazing basketball players, whether it be at the high school level, the collegiate level, or with the Supersonics for all those years and also the Storm. Nobody can touch her resume. And the fact that she is coming back for her 18th season, who knows if it's going to be her last season, but you look at the resume, uh, she has been incredible. And and it's not just what she's done on the court, but also for what she's done off the court uh, as well for women's sports. She has been such a, a driving force in their growth and popularity. Just think about where the WNBA was 18 years ago when she first came to Seattle and where it is now. It is night and day different, and and it's night and day not just in the visibility of it, but in the uh, I would say the acceptance of it, and and it's because of people like her, and it's because of, of superstars like her. Uh, I, I think you got to put a statue in front of Climate Pledge Arena, and, and the very first one should be Sue Bird. Couldn't agree more. I mean, that's spot on. I, I can see the impact she's had on my sisters, on other people in this area, and it's just we're so lucky Sue's been a part of our sports history. And we're we, a statue is uh, just the beginning of what we owe Sue Bird and, and what she's done here. So touche to her and, 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 and the storm for all they've accomplished as well here in Seattle. Absolutely. Uh, good one coming in on the Vizzy Hard Seltzer text line, 710-710 from the 206. I say shout-out to Jake Heaps for not destroying his house when talking about tearing the kitchen apart. The more he talked, the more scared I was that he was going to do something bad news bears. Uh, yeah, we can we can report that the Heaps family remodeled their kitchen safely. No one got hurt, and uh, they're, they're, they're doing just fine. Uh, you don't want to see anybody throw their back out when they've got ninja training to do, to get to no. here. Yeah, Definitely he's got to be real real limber and nimble to be a ninja. So it's gonna be it's gonna take everything he can to stay healthy. Absolutely, but uh, yeah, just I mean, the Super Bowl is tomorrow, Taylor. I don't know about you, but there were definitely some points in the off season in the summer of 2020 where it just it did not ever feel like this was going to be a possibility and yet here we are and i just it, it's crazy to think that the super bowl is going to get played after all the league has been through after all the world has been through over the last year plus now um but here we are and it's going to be it's going to be just a, a nice relaxing day hopefully uh hopefully we can all just exhale and kick back in our own homes and and have a blast i know i'm super excited taylor your dad being a chiefs fan uh and and after the year that he has had i i can only imagine uh just the amount of of just joy that that has given him after having gone through everything just shout out to your dad too being a chiefs fan and also you know having you know, just a, an incredible fight on his hands. Uh, shout out to him as well. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. And uh, 
Glad we can talk Super Bowl. We can still talk football. He's here again because some of the great doctors and physicians and nurses and in this area. So really thankful for everyone there. And he gets to complain about Seahawks games and Chiefs games, no matter what. Still, so love love hearing all those and getting those Facetimes calls. Still, so uh, hopefully. Pretty soon I'll be able to celebrate it with my family in person and we can hug when we're all vaccinated and taken care of. So, Absolutely. That is going to do it for us here today on Seattle Sports Saturday. Make sure you have a fun and safe Super Bowl tomorrow. Cougar basketball coming up later today on 710 ESPN Seattle. They take on the Oregon State Beavers, but that will do it for us. For Taylor Jacobs, I'm Curtis Rogers. This has been Seattle Sports Saturday on 710 ESPN Seattle.